Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as our Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, my 260th episode, we have a preeminent guest and a longtime friend, Tim Alderman. Welcome to the show, my good friend. Thank you, Justin. It's uh, awesome to be here, and uh, thank you for inviting me. You got it. It's probably long overdue. I've uh, I, We have a very long history together, I yeah. think dating back 15 plus years, and you have been so instrumental and helping numerous uh, companies of mine, you know, grow and scale efficiently. So I, I, you know, I'm grateful for you, grateful for your friendship, grateful for all the wisdom and effort uh, that you bestow upon uh, my teams. So thank you. Well, thank you, Justin. We have been together a long time and you, you have done some things in my career that have uh, helped me greatly. And, and I do appreciate that as well. Well, uh, certainly vice versa. And, and I'm excited to have you again. I can't believe I haven't had you on air before. I've had the show now over eight years uh, and you've been a significant piece of my life. And I'm not sure why this hasn't come together, but now uh, t- nothing like we're the here. present. So that's perfect. Yeah, we're here. So, um, yeah, and you have a, just a great uh, background with Sandler, Sandler sales techniques and the Sandler organization overall. And so that's what we'll, you know, we'll dive into that uh, today. Um, I know my audience will love it. It'll help them, you know, drive revenue, drive growth, uh, optimize their business in, in a lot of different ways. It's certainly that's what's done for me. Uh, but before we dive in there too deep, um, where, tell us uh, about you and, and where'd you grow up, attend school, college, all that good stuff. Good deal. Yeah. Well, thanks, Justin. Yeah, we will jump into that because it's all about making it happen and and uh, growing and, and hitting the goals that we want to hit. But, but I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. I was actually very fortunate <clears throat> That I grew up in Charleston till probably I was like 10 or 12 years old. And my dad was in the paper mill business. And so I was in a big city. And then we moved to a little town in South Georgia. Back then, Hinesville, Georgia had one stoplight. So I went from a big city to a one stoplight. I, I wasn't even sure what was going on, but it turned out to be fantastic for me and, and my career. And as I grew up to have understanding that small town, you know, concept and the relationships there. And I ended up going to uh, Georgia Southern University, graduated from there with a uh, degree in education and uh, had a great, uh, great time there. And actually for a couple of years, I was a, uh, a high school football coach. And that maybe that's why I holler so loud. I'm not see, exactly sure. I see that in you. But I was a <laughs> high great. school football coach uh, yeah. along the way, right there in a couple little towns in, in South Georgia. Uh, one place was Metter, and it's kind of interesting. Metter has a sign that says, everything's better in Metter. <laughs> and uh, so I had an opportunity to, to do that. And one interesting thing in my career that actually really helped me in my sales career, in my managing career, that I had no idea was I had the opportunity uh, to become a Division One college basketball referee, and all the things that went with that, mm-hmm. dealing with the pressures of that, the details of that. <clears throat> Little did I know then how it would prepare me for sales 
and actually managing <clears throat> and the conflicts that we run into in our sales world. You know, one of the rules that I talk about often, Justin, is, is that sales is emotionally violent. Well, if we think that's emotionally violent, be in a gym with 30,000 people right. and they just think you made the wrong call. So uh, that's a little bit about how I got here and uh, in terms of my education and my background and where I grew up. Yeah. And I mean, not to digress, but in college, my senior year, I was uh, looking for to take some easy courses. I mean, obviously I've been there three years already. And I'm like, you know what? I want to kind of go on, a little bit on autopilot. So I saw refereeing and I'm like, oh, gosh, how easy. That's got to be like, it's like, you know, it's like playing basketball. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, that class kicked my butt. That was yeah. refereeing basketball was brutal. I did baseball yeah. and basketball. <clears throat> And I had, oh my gosh, that was one of the hardest classes I took in college. <laughs> just yeah, it's basketball. an interesting, you know, I started out doing little kids and worked my way all the way up for years and years and years to get to the point of being able to do that division one. But just as a side note, the toughest group I ever had to referee was uh, uh, men, uh, adult basketball, 40 years and over. That's mm -hmm. a tough group, Justin. If you can referee that group, right, you can referee anything. I can see that. I work with a lot of those type of people. <laughs> I know how yeah. hard it can be. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. I just for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of speed us up here a little bit. Just uh, so, how did you get involved with the Sandler, you know, programs and the professional development, uh, development <clears throat> growth programs? Yeah, well, it, it's very interesting. I was a senior VP of sales for a large company, and I'd never heard of Sandler, didn't know anything about it, and I had. Tons of people underneath me, 10, 12 managers, 40, 50 salespeople. And the Sandler guy called on me and he said, hey, we have a system. We have a selling process. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of stayed after me a little bit. And I said, look, here's what we'll do. If you'll make live calls with me, let's get on the phone and make some calls. Let's go face to face and make some calls. If you'll do that, I'll consider whatever you got going at Sandler. And sure enough, he did. And once we had those live calls and once we started those face-to-face -face deals, Justin, I was hooked. I was already pretty good. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I didn't know how to do stuff in sales as a senior VP. But I saw the approach here and I saw that it was way better than what I alone could teach my people. And little did I know when I told this guy, let's do it, bring you into my organization, what it would mean to my future hmm. because i actually after i got started bringing him him in i started my own healthcare company with a couple of partners we kept it for 10 years and and sold it and i would only bring in people that had been through sandler and only people that i could get through sandler so i i became a just a real product of it and then when i sold my healthcare company one of the guys at Sandler reached out and said, hey, would you be interested in uh, in doing Sandler for us? So the, the bottom line is I ended up uh, getting a franchise. And for the last 23 years or so, um, I have been a product of the product with Sandler. It's not just a sales process. It's a here's how you communicate process. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. <clears throat> But it was it became my whole business life as it relates to communicating. Mm -hmm. And I've been very fortunate 
since then, I've had the opportunity to train thousands of people, uh, salespeople, small companies, big companies, all over the United States and Europe, quite frankly, with the uh, Sandler selling system. Yeah, well, you, I mean, I was just doing some quick math here. Uh, I didn't even put this all together before, but I mean, just me alone and what we did at, you know, during the Greenway days, the last year before mm -hmm. we sold, we took the company public and then sold it over $150 million of annual sales. So you probably helped us, you know, me just in my different companies drive mm -hmm. over $750 million, maybe a billion dollars in revenue. And that's, I mean, then you put on, you know, that's, that's just a software sales, Never mind the value yeah. <laughs> behind that of the company. So multi-billion dollars of value. Uh, in companies, so yeah, that was a, that was a tremendous that was a tremendous run there because when we started there, there were only a, a handful of salespeople, three or four, something like that, correct, to grow as big as Greenway got to. Yeah. So what um what are you know from a high level and you know a lot of my uh, audiences are C-suite executives and, and company leadership. So what advice or wisdom would you share with them on how to best optimize their sales and revenue teams? Well, I mean, that's a tough question. You know, that's pretty a lot of things I could talk about there. And 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 I do do a lot of talks, but you know, I think there's certain things here that a lot of the audience have heard before, and they're not like, oh wow, Tim, I've never heard that before. Probably none of that there. But I have a rule a lot of times with my CEOs and the folks that I work with. It's not have you heard this before, but what have you done with what you've heard? <clears throat> That's really the key. There are certain things here that we know we have to do to scale. And we've heard it many times. And what have we done? Because scaling a company, large or small, is not easy. Startups, there's only eight, you know, for a startup, 80% of the companies never reach the critical scaling that they started out to do. 80%. Yeah. And for larger companies, it's even more of a challenge. Only 10% of the S&P 500 have really achieved that kind of growth. So there, it's a difficult thing to do, but a few companies that have achieved that, if you kind of look at what they've done to companies that I've been around, one, one thing is, and Justin, you being in your background, will we'll be able to key in on this. They've had a seamless integration, sort of an alignment between sales and marketing functions. In other words, if there so many things today we see in silos, we got sales silo, marketing silo, customer interface silo, implementation silo. We got all these silos, but I do see more and more people moving now to where they're creating somebody that oversees and that is responsible for kind of the entire ecosystem, if you wish, um, being able to pull all that data together and not just have siloed people in, in each individual silo dealing with it. And I think next, when we talk about optimizing the things that we know, and we obviously have to start with the right kind of people. <clears throat> and that's always a mystery. Um, but, you know, there are certain things we can do to at least minimize the mystique of getting the right people. Do we test them? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about a test that says you're hired, you're not hired. But it's a test that tells us what we're getting. It's a test that gives us the opportunity to interview them a little better. Fundamentally, what I like to use from a sports analogy is we want to we want to make sure that we get the right people. We don't want to put a 140-pound person at a nose guard. Right. That's what some of these things help us do. Obviously, another way to optimize is 
what kind of management do we have? There's a stat from the Caliper Corporation that said 50% of the managers that took the survey said they do not have time to manage their people. What kind of answer is that? It's wow. kind of uh, uh, counterintuitive. But how do we train our managers? Are they fire drill managers? Are they long-term managers? Or what kind of manager management training do we provide them? Uh, are they coaches? Are they supervisors? Are they mentors? What do we do with them? How do we train them? And if you don't train them, don't be surprised at what you get. And then I guess thirdly, on the optimization piece would be what kind of sales system do you have? What kind of process do you have that will allow you to uh, to scale in, in the process? So when you look at seamlessly getting together sales marketing functions and getting out of the silos, getting those people together, um, I think those are some things you have to do. A couple other things here, Justin, we could touch and you tell me, uh, you know, when you want to go to the next question. But, you know, we, we've got to get really, really good in today's world of prospecting. And here's a rule. I'd rather be a great prospector and an average salesperson than a great pro salesperson and an average prospector. Right. Sales is collaborative. A lot of the sales we do today, once we get the prospect in-house, we have a lot. We have product collaboration specialists. We just have a lot of collaboration. But prospecting is individual. The ability also, to prospect puts you in a different mode. It gives you independence and proactive versus dependence and reactive to the it. process. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I, I completely, uh, you know, I've subscribed to your strategies for, for 15 plus years and, and completely mm -hmm. agree with you and love it. And, but this kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, you know, what, you know, Sandler or just sales in general, best practices, you know, can you share with my audience so they can bring to their sales leadership? I mean, obviously they can't <clears throat> do all these things, but there are some real fundamental items here yep. and best practices and key strategies that we can share. So, yeah. And, and that's a great question. It's kind of a tough question to keep real short. <laughs> yeah, because no. as, as an example, at Sandler, we have 248 rules. We have rules like sell today, educate tomorrow. What does that mean? We've got rules like it's not how you feel that determines how you act, but it, it is really how you act that determines how you feel. We have rules that talk about selling as a search for the truth. So when you start talking about putting practices together, but globally, what we do at, at, at Sandler is, is from a best practice standpoint, we look at holistically. We look at the salesperson as, you know, all in, not just in what they do from a technique we do something called behavior, attitude, and technique. We understand that if you don't have the right behavior, meaning you're doing the actions you need to do every day, you don't have the right attitude, what's your attitude about your uh, environment? What's your attitude about your company? What's your attitude about your competitors? What's your attitude about your prospects? We understand that you have to have that. We also work very hard on technique. Technique's actually the easiest thing to do. You know, we can teach technique a little bit like riding a bicycle, but you've got to have all three of those components. What are my actions? What are my attitudes? What are my behaviors? The other best practice that we have at Sandler is we are, we like to call you focused versus we focused. Mm -hmm. You focus, meaning we focus on the prospect, not focused on how good we are. And we, we work very hard on a best practice of learning how to disqualify earlier in the process. One of the things that we do at Sandler is we have a, that distinguishes us very differently 
is we have major reinforcement. We reinforce weekly, monthly. It is a difficult job. And the reinforcement is not, let me reinforce this technique. The reinforcement is your thinking and your behavior. That's what we work on reinforcing along the way. We have a bet. One of the things that we teach our people is that we want a pull philosophy as opposed to a push philosophy. We don't want to push ourselves on our prospect. We want to be pulled into them. And then maybe a next distinguished best practice just in here is we do something called an IR theory. We try to help our salespeople and our managers understand there's a difference between who you are and what you do. And the benefit of that is this rule. Only a person with a high self-concept will risk failure or just even take a risk. What kind of risk am I talking about? Will you risk, if you have that self-concept and you understand the holistic approach here, you'll ask the hard questions. You won't be afraid of the no. You'll call it the right level. You won't have call reluctance. You'll be willing to gently challenge the negative stakeholder. And you will be willing to end the process if indeed it's not working. We teach a system on how to communicate that basically has a sales component in it. So that's a few of the practices. We do have a cold calling best practice. Mm -hmm. We have a um, one of the main things is our upfront contract best practice. The number one thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this, Justin, the number one thing is upfront contracts. We all know, everybody knows that we have to have a next step with our prospects. Clearly defined, mutually agreed upon next step. We all know that. We've heard that. But it is the number one most abused, least likely to happen in the sales cycle. We fail at that step more than any other step, which causes a bunch of agony down the line. So we have we work really hard at helping ourselves people understand the concept and putting in play a clearly defined, mutually agreed upon next step, the upfront contract. Love that. Yeah, the upfront contract, I, I absolutely love. And for those that may have joined a little late today, uh, my special guest is Tim Alderman from Alderman Hockaday and Associates. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, moving down this path and, and just kind of, you know, educating my audience more and certainly the uh, the sales leadership piece, um, how is sales and how has the sales process evolved over the past five years and what's essential now to be successful? Yeah. And, and at Sandler, the, the good thing about what we get an opportunity to do and the thing that I'm very fortunate is I get to be in a lot of companies. I get to see mm -hmm. best practice, good practice, mystery practice. I don't know why they do that. And I also get an opportunity to see how people are responding to the different changes that we face in our sales environment. <clears throat> and let, let me give you an example. And, and we all know in the last five years, our people, our prospects are getting more accustomed to the Amazon experience, which means they would rather do it themselves. There's a survey that I just pulled out, and it says that B2B buyers are compelled that they, they have completed high-quality deals, and 65% of their deals were self-navigated or a sales rep-less environment. 65% of them did a self-navigated deal. So I think as we look at the last five years, 
we know that our prospects have better access to information and that sort of thing. But here's what is really happening. Not only do they have better access, they have they have detailed access. They have detailed information, not a high level information. So we we're having to meet with prospects. They may be rounding third base when we say hello. Mm-hmm. So how does that change our value proposition as salespeople? What do we have to do now to become value instead of saying, hey, let me show you this or that? They already know that. <laughs> you know, they already know that. So we have to really begin to understand how we can position ourselves to help these guys that are rounding third instead of treating them like they're still on first base understanding that our prospects are looking for a less rep-led environment. Here's a statistic for you. 83% of buyers say it's critical for salespeople to help them obtain their goals. Mm -hmm. They're they're not looking at my product, my services. Can you help me obtain my goals? But only 17% believe that salespeople actually do that. So as we look at what's changed, Justin, that is definitely one of the things that have changed in our sales environment. That's why 80% of companies fail <laughs> because only yeah. 70% yeah. of their salespeople actually make a difference. That's great. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's excellent. Um, so we have time for one more question. Okay. Well, let's now pull out the crystal ball, which is, I, this, I love this part of the show. Um, what do you think CEOs and corporate <clears throat> leadership need to be thinking about from a sales and revenue perspective in two to five years from now? Because we've actually watched how the market has shifted over the past couple of years, and, and we've certainly just talked about that. But you know, what do we need to look out for in the next two to five years? And what evolutions in the sales process could arise or be a game changer, or we must be ready to successfully navigate? Tough question. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's obviously a crystal ball question is kind of hard. <clears throat> I think one of the things that Jeff Bezos said was when somebody asked him that question, he said, well, let's figure out what's going to stay the same for the next five years. Things change so fast. What's going to stay the same? Mm. But I I do think that understanding what I just talked about on the B2B that the buyers are looking at. Let me give you an example. What's gravitating in Q3 of 19, there were 600 million, uh, roughly 600 million LinkedIn users. On Q3 of 2020, there were 700 million LinkedIn users. On Q3 of 21, there were 800 million LinkedIn users along the way. So think about the impact of that as we talk. That we have, who would have thought years ago, somebody would have said to you, well, Justin, you've got a database here with 800 million prospects. And you would have said, (laughs) what are you talking about? Well, in our telephones, that's kind of what we've got today, all right? But I think the other thing, there is so, and this is the last little piece here, Justin, there is so much information. The pendulum has swung. As I said, we're rounding third with our prospects getting all this data from all the chat, all the AI, all all of the things that they're getting. And I think one of the things that we have to do as salespeople is I have to be able to say, Justin, you got a lot of information here. There's a lot of information that we both are exposed to. Let me help you make sense of that. Let me help you unwind some of that. 
not let me tell you what I know, right. not let me get more information from you. But Justin, as we get inundated with all of these things that we're talking about as we move forward with, with all the cutting edge technology, let me help you make sense of that. I think being able to position with our prospects that kind of attitude, I think they would like that. So we that information pendulum, I believe, is swinging to that kind of setup. Yeah, I, I I completely agree, and I you know it goes back to that being that trusted advisor, uh, you know the thought leader, the trusted advisor mm -hmm. for the buyer. Um, but also it helps your persona. It helps you. You need to have those best practices, have those strategies, have that leadership, have that mentality that, Hey, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to be your trusted advisor. I'm going to navigate you through this. I'm not selling you anything. I'm going to help you achieve your goals. I'm going to stay committed and hold myself accountable to you achieving your goals. And if they feel that in that sales process, you've got yourself a, a winner for the most part. And that is exactly, we have to be able to say, and one of the things that we do at Sandler on a continual basis is to, and we build credibility because it's an honest statement. And that is Justin, if I can help you do this, I certainly will. Yeah. But if I can't help you do this, I'll let you know that as well. We're very quick at Sandler to be real. We're, we're not, that's why it's a holistic approach. We're not just saying here's our technique. We're communication technique. It's, it's, it's so I can communicate with you what you just said. If I can help you hit those goals, Let's keep opening those next doors. If I can't help you open those doors and hit those goals, let's close those doors. We're okay with that too. Love it. Tim, thank you so much, my friend. It was great to have you on air. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. I love talking about this. I love dealing and I'm not trying to just toot the Sandler horn, but there are people I've had the opportunity to work with for years and years that really have been, have had the opportunity just to communicate better in general. So this is not just a business skill, but a life skill. And it's really fun to be able to work with people to help them get down that path as well. So thank you, Justin. You got it, my friend. And uh, thank you uh, to everyone for joining us today and taking time out of your busy schedule to hear us. Uh, and uh, please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustinRadio so I can respond to your comments from the show. If you miss any of this episode or want to hear more, all my shows are posted at Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and TuneIn. And you can also check out the website that we just launched at JustinBarnes.com and some of that new content. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe. Hey.